Welcome to another edition of Emory and Henry's Brown Bag. Today's speaker is Harry Baya, who... What's your title exactly? Instructional Technologist. He is the Instructional Technologist for Emory and Henry College, and he's going to talk to us today about technology, the Internet, and wombats. Wiki's <laughs> blogs and wombats. Um, I'm the Instructional Technologist. I want you all to use technology when it's appropriate. I'm not using much today. I brought my laptop in case you ask me questions that I can't answer. Google can answer anything. Um, but uh, the topic is uh, wikis, blogs, and wombats. Um, I'll start off right, right away by saying the wombats is purely gratuitous. It's just for sizzle, it's just to make the title interesting. It happens that I have a, a particular uh, interest in wombats. And I've been to Australia twice, primarily to see the wombats. And I have seen them. I've seen them in their little brown thing. And I'll give you two facts about wombats. One is that they are marsupials, so they have a pouch, like kangaroos. But unlike the other marsupials, the wombat, being a burrowing animal, its pouch is facing backwards, so that when it burrows, it won't fill up with dirt. <laughs> and the other thing about wombats is, being a marsupial, they have a particular characteristic I read about about a month ago, which I'm still puzzling about. Marsupials have a split brain, just like the rest of the mammals and creatures of the earth. They have no corpus callosum. There is no connection between the two halves of the brains in marsupials. Think about that. Anyway, that's the wombat part of the lecture. Um, personality. Um, does, that, does that mean, does that affect their ability to see... I, mean, I don't know they, what it does to them. They don't have binocular vision, then. I don't. I don't have any idea what it does to them. I. I, I just read the fact, and it's fascinating to huh. me. You know, because you know, there's a lot of talk about what does it do for us. You know, and, and, uh, <laughs> in some cases, mine, for example, yeah. much. Um, in in the little uh, blurb that I wrote up, <laughs> promoting this, I, I promised some free, uh, some recommended applications, and that's what the handout has on it. Um, I did set up a web page for this, uh, and the, the, the URL is there. Um, if I get the time, I will. Uh, uh, the URL is going to contain my notes, is what's in there right now. And I will put links to many of the notes, because most of these things are web based things you can just click on. Um, so, but the handout, I'll just go through those briefly. Um, recommended applications. The, the main one I want to tell you about. That I really encourage you to think about using is this delicious at the top, <laughs> dell.icio.us, and it's not .com as I found out today by going to .com and not getting it. Um, I have it on my computers. You you go into Delicious, you install a piece of software on your computer. It, it installs in your browser actually. It replaces, or it, you still have your favorites list or your bookmarks, but it becomes a web-based set of bookmarks for you. So if you're in a library somewhere you, and you go and log into your Delicious account, there are your bookmarks. Or if you're on your home computer, you could either log in or you can just put a little tag on your screen. I've got mine opened up right now on this laptop. So when you click Delicious, up comes your bookmarks. It doesn't matter what computer you're on. And it's not only that, it's, it's a Web 2.0 application. We're going to talk about what Web 2.0 may or may not be, but it's smart. Every one of your bookmarks can have as many tags as you want. You also have notes. All my tags are listed on the right. If I click on a tag, I immediately see all the bookmarks for that tag. The guy who gave the lecture on this, he must have had five or 10,000 tags. And while he was talking, someone asked a question, he would go, and had the screen up, you could see what he was doing. 
he'd find it almost immediately. Oh, there's a website on that. Yeah, there it is. Boom. Oh, here's my notes. You know. So um, Delicious is free. It's web-based. You install it on your browser. You can install it on all your browsers if you want, and all your, or you can just put it on one browser, and then when you're somewhere else, just log into it, and there are your bookmarks. Not only that, it has some other features, which I... How many of you know what a cloud is, a data cloud? I, I had heard about it and seen it once, but I hadn't... If I asked Delicious to display my bookmarks as a cloud, up comes this little thing of all my, all my tags. Those that are used more than others are bigger than others. So the cloud is a bunch of words, but some things are bigger than others. And if people put their books into a cloud, so people can say, oh, look, this guy's clearly heavy in religion. They'll put it up on the web and go, my friend Barry German has a book a cloud. I can go see what Barry's books are. Oh, boy, he's heavy on religion and psychology, fair amount of science, almost nothing on history. The cloud is sort of a, a graphic display of things. So I can, I can look at my, my bookmarks as a cloud, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, these, yeah. These are, these are typical is your you, delicious open to the world? It, you can. Uh, I haven't explored it much. You can share it. You can make it open to others. You can export it. You can put it in a file. You can send it out. It, it's very much uh, permits you to share it as much as you want, which is a big part of Web 2.0, the whole uh, cultural, social sharing uh, folksonomics, another new word that came up. With, oh, let me tell you where I got all this from and why I'm doing this this lecture. Um, about a month ago, six months, I went to a NITLE, that's which is sort of like ACA. It's a, a common. We're we're part of it. They had a one-day workshop on Web 2.0 emerging technologies, um, and uh, so I went. It was up at uh, Elk Elk Creek. What, what's the Elk Banner now? Vermont. West Virginia. Elkins. Elkins. College, right? Davis Elkins. I went there for a day. Went up the night before, spent the night. Uh, ACA paid for everything. Stayed the next night. It blew my mind. I, it was the most exciting day I've had in years. And, I'm tr and I, that was all day, and, and it could have been more. Uh, so I came back and thought, I want to share some of this. So... I'm not trying to confuse you or overwhelm you, but I was confused and overwhelmed, and to the extent that you are, I, may, I will have conveyed a little bit of what I got out of this workshop. Um, so, <clears throat> anyway, Delicious is the one I recommend. The others are, here are things to look at. GIMP, we're going to put on computers on campus if we need it. It's a free version of Photoshop. It's not Photoshop. It doesn't have all the features of Photoshop, but who in, on earth needs all the features of Photoshop? GIMP has almost everything you can want. It's free. It's well documented. It's easy to use. There are tutorials. Comes with Linux. It's also available in, in Linux and, and uh, Mac. Of course, Linux. Gliffy.com is a free drawing program in 3D. Uh, a free drawing. Google SketchUp is a 3D. These are all free. Audacity is the GIMP for sound. So if you want to down, you want to create MP3 files, audio files, record them, edit them. You don't have to buy SoundForge or one of those things. You can use Audacity. It's free. It's available. Um, Twitter, we're going to talk about under, under social networking. It's a funny little place to go, twitter.com. Uh, if you go to twitter.com, you, you type in up to 30 words of what you're doing right now. And everyone on your Twitter list, a little box pops up and tells you what you're doing right now. So the guy in the conference typed in, I'm teaching a conference at David Selson College. Somebody else said, I'm having breakfast in California and something else. There's about five of them popped up. And over the day, these things would pop up on his screen of his Twitter friends it's something new. It's only been around for two weeks when he introduced it to us. It grew 
It's going hand over fist. Uh, it's free. It's just a silly little thing, and nobody knows if it's going to last or not. But, you know, that's the kind of thing that's happening on the web. Little things pop up. That's Twitter. iTunes, I'm not going to spend time on now, but see me. If you don't use iTunes, see me. It's just a wonderful free application. does all sorts of neat things. Uh, other than it, it will allow you to buy tunes from Apple if you want. But you don't have to do that. You can use it for a lot of it. You can get your podcasts through there. You can look for things. You can find things. Google Docs is a, Google is allowing people to put up, essentially like having your hard drive on the internet for free right now. Put files out there, share them with other people, put videos out there. Put Conversely, I mean, something that's not on this list, but I just thought of Google, you can download an application from Google, which will give uh, the power, of, you, you get the search power of Google on your machine. So have you ever misplaced an electronic document? You're like, oh, where did I put that? Is that in documents? Is that on my desktop? Or search your computer like you're searching Google or anything like that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't it's better than just the find function. It is better. Yeah, that's true. Well, I might have a little puppy that comes up and it's better than me. Yeah. <laughs> Pandora's box, I'm going to use a little bit. It's a dangerous thing to get into. You go into Pandora.com. I guess so. You, uh, you enter in those songs you really like, those recordings, and it will tell you others that it thinks you might like. Oh, I and apparent, apparently yeah, no, it's I, dangerously I, I, I good. It. Yeah. It's dangerously good. People say you can get in there and spend the rest of your life in there, you know. <laughs> um, and it's so neat because you can have different radio. It creates your own radio station. That's what it means that it creates something. And some days I'm in the mood for Ella, and some days I'm in the mood for Bach, and other days I'm in the mood for Tom Clean, and I just tell it which one I'm in the mood for, and it puts it together. Yeah. Last thing on my list is YouTube.com, which we've heard a lot about. Um, I'm currently learning fiddle. Uh, at one point, I wanted to learn a particular fiddle tune. I couldn't find the music anywhere. I went to YouTube. There were four different videos with that tune being played by four different groups. And this, this, I mean, that, that was something that narrow. It was, you know, Appalachian fiddle. You can imagine what's on there. In fact, I was going to bring some things to show you today that are exciting that's going on on the web. But uh, YouTube is, if you haven't been there, and of course all the kids have been there, and you see it all, it's just full of a million things you'd never think of. Anything you're interested in finding out about, check out YouTube. It's probably got something. So those are all things I recommend you consider using if you aren't using. Um, okay. Um, now, now to launch into the, what I hope isn't too much of a fire hydrant of information in the next 15 minutes, but maybe. First thing I want to say is something else came up at the conference. O'Brien Alexander was the man who ran the conference. He's the research director for NIT Elite. Just full of ideas. Lives, lives, his world is to talk to people and find out what's happening. That's what he does. Um, he mentioned something that I had never verbalized. The media coverage, TV, radio, newspaper, magazines, is tremendously biased against computer technology. We're not aware of that so much because we just take it for granted. But you ever notice how many negative stories there are about children being seduced on MySpace, about people doing bad things in schools, about email, about all of it? It's completely distorted. It's not that those things aren't happening. They are happening, and they are bad things. But you read the press, you'd think the entire weight of the computer world is, is going there. And people say, oh, I would never use MySpace. My God. You know... Probably every college student on campus has got something on MySpace, or most of them. 
you know, it's not that dangerous, but the technology is, the media is tremendously biased. I, I really wasn't aware of it much until he pointed it out. It always annoyed me, but I realized, yes, there's a huge thread going through there. Movies, stories, the computer's often the bad guy, the evil guy, you know, the dangerous. Okay, that's just one thing. Next thing. I, I, I'm delighted to have somebody listen to me talk. I'm sorry it has to, you all had to put up with it. I want to tell you my personal experience. We are living through a, a revolution uh, in technology. You can compare it to the Industrial Revolution. I think it's much bigger. I think it's somewhere between the invention of language and the invention of writing. I think it's much more... Now, all the recent technologies, think about it, Telegraph, telephone, television, uh, video, movies, color, all of them were supposed to revolutionize education. They haven't made much of an impact. They've had some impact, but books, I think books revolutionized education. My guess is when books and printing came in, education changed significantly. I think this computer stuff is bigger than books. I think it's somewhere back around the level of writing, and we're just scratching the surface. We're barely at the beginning. We're just beginning to see the results. It's only been around 50 years if you stretch it, and really more like 15, because we go back to the webs where it began to really get out of the web and personal computers, it began to hit, hit us. So, and what's fueling it, what's driving it? Um, I know some of you know what Moore's Law is. Um, a guy named Gordon Moore in the 60s was an engineer at Fairchild. He came up with this, he realized, he was working with chips, that things were going to get better. They were going to get faster. And he, so he made a statement, and it became known as Moore's Law. Basically what he said was, the speed of a computer chip is going to double about every two to three years. That's Moore's Law. It's been generalized. My way of putting it is, think of a computer or any object as having a footprint. The footprint is how much it weighs, how big is it physically, what does it cost, and how, how, what do you need to set it up. The footprint on computing is going down by about half every two to three years. This is the fuel in the engine. This is why all the change. We're still in the middle of it. They cannot yet see the end of Moore's Law. They think it's going to have a, a life. People have thought it would die about now, but now they see another ten years in it, at least ten years, maybe more. We don't know. That's what's going on. And the second thing is a statement I got years ago. I got to find the source. It said, when something changes by an order of magnitude of seven, you could pick three, five, ten, whatever, such as the power of an engine, it ceases to be the same thing. It's not just more. It becomes different in kind. It becomes a different thing. We're watching things changing in kind every two or three years in the computer world. And that's going on so we can't see it because we're in the middle of it. But that's what's going on. And what this guy was identifying for us was what's on the edge right now? What's happening right now? Um, the web, to me, is the personal computers, huge breakthrough. Uh, 79 or so, the Apple II came in. I got mine in 81. I've been working with them ever since. Before that, there weren't personal computers. There was time sharing. There were big computers. You couldn't have a computer in your house unless you worked for somebody who'd pay for you to have a time sharing thing. And even then, big breakthrough. The web didn't exist. There was... Uh, CompuServe, there were some early glimmerings of what it was going to be like, but uh, ARPANET was the, it really kicked in around 93, 94, when Mosaic came online and web browsers came online. Been growing incredibly since then. Um, the two applications that, that I point to is the most ones to sort of realize what's happening, Google and Wikipedia. 
Google is just an incredible thing. It's, it's providing knowledge to everybody around the world who has access to the Internet. That's not everybody, but it's a huge portion of our population that's growing all the time. Tremendously powerful tool. Nothing like it existed before. It just, it's, it's new. It's new in kind. Wikipedia, which I know academics love to attack because it, it will indeed give false information, but what a resource. Everything that I'm going to cover today is in Wikipedia. When I, I would Google the thing to find out what it was, and it would send me first to Wikipedia, and there would be a nice, clean, concise definition, better than I could find almost anywhere else, usually. Accurate? Well, accurate enough for what I'm doing. Something that will stand up under close scrutiny? Maybe not. But those two applications are, are at the heart of sort of what, what's going on in the world. They were not possible before Moore's Law had been going on long enough to make it economically feasible to do what they do, and the web came in to distribute the service. Those are both brand new. It's quite possible something as important as the web is still hanging in the wings that we haven't seen yet. Can't imagine what it would be, but we couldn't really imagine the web either. Okay, blogs and wikis. <laughs> blogs, wikis, discussion boards, and listservs. All of these things are ways for people to share information, as is email. They're kind of email modified. Uh, most of you probably know a little bit about what they are. A blog, by the way, Angel supports these things, blogs, wikis, and discussion boards. Um, but a blog is a personal journal is one way of thinking of it. It could be a group blog, but I have a blog. No one reads my blog, and I don't really recommend they do, but there, I do have a blog. It's called boppers.net slash blogs. Um, actually, it's called Warp, Warp Baez, its actual name. Um, but I, when I have a thought that I, I'm really interested in, in communicating to other people, I go in there and type it up and put it on my blog. And I think there are five of my friends who may read it, you know, and they, they might respond. That's it. So well, it's a very limited blog. Other people have blogs. But there are a lot of blogs out there kept by people keeping interesting notes that others are interested in. And those blogs are set up as RSS feeds so you can subscribe to them. So every time they put anything new, you get a little note saying, blog's been updated, you want to see it? And you oh yeah, I want to see it. And there are, I don't know, maybe millions, certainly hundreds of thousands of blogs out there. And on any subject you can almost imagine. And you can start your own blog. But a blog is, is a giant sharing network of journals, usually personal, personal notes on any subject, but sometimes groups. There are group blogs and company blogs and stuff like that. A wiki, yeah. Who stores the blogs for you if you're a private citizen? There are numerous places to store blogs. Google has a blog sharing service. Um, you have to go on the internet. I, I, I knew I'd get these questions. I asked the same thing. You go on the, go Google it, and you'll find there are a number of free services that'll put up your blog. Now, some of them, of course, want to put their little ads in there, which is a little annoying. People see your blog, they got to see the ad. If you have a service on ISP, they probably have a blog service, and you probably pay something for it. Oh, well, that gives me a chance to bring up something. There's something going on on the internet that's very interesting. It's the model of how do you distribute services. Wikipedia, Google, a lot of them are free. They're free. Well, this is great in a way, because you don't have to pay anything to get to use them, but they've got to make money somewhere. They are not necessarily unbiased. They have to make money. So there's another model which says sell it. Sell it cheap. Sell it big time, but that way you can do whatever you want. For example, you can get your stuff up with no ads and no hooks and nothing in the way. And, and these two models are, are at war. Uh, and they're not going to win. They're gonna, but, but it's very much, and the same thing is going on in the programming world, by the way. 
the whole uh, open software versus, I mean, Microsoft is on the one end of the extreme. We're going to make good stuff and sell it to you. Linux is on the other end of the extreme. We're going to make it free and give it to you. And we're all going to work together to make it better. And yeah. that war is, is huge. And well, it's, it's, also, it's also a different, different philosophy that's, uh, that is exactly parallel to the other war that you're describing in that Linux, open source people believe that their, their motto is with enough eyes, all bugs are shallow. So if you have, so you're, you're writing code, right? And there's going to be mistakes in it. If enough people look at it, the open source people believe, regardless of how good they are, somebody's going to find it. Microsoft has an elitist model which says, I'm going to find the 10 smartest people on earth and pay them a whole bunch of money, put them in a room and lock the door until they come out and assure me that there are no mistakes in the code. And so, there's a very famous uh, essay uh, that, that, that talks about this difference in, uh, in philosophy, the bizarre and the, um, oh, I guess it's not that famous. <laughs> All right, I'll come back to that. Yeah. But, uh, but in any case, yeah. But it's, it's one o'clock. When? I mean, I, I can stop. You can, you can I, I, I have class at 1.30. But you can. I'll bl I'll bl but feel free to leave. I, I, I will only be a little bit insulted. But uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay, uh, blogs. I mentioned a little bit. Blogs are a tremendous resource in whatever field you're in. If you aren't looking at blogs, you probably should at least give it a shot. Look, go into iTunes. iTunes is a blog reader. You can log into iTunes, get a free copy of it, subscribe to some blogs, search for some blogs. It'll it'll help you search for them in any subject you can think of and see and try looking at and you don't have to subscribe just go read a few just go look at some of the blogs so wikis are still finding out exactly what they're going to be and how they work we're not really quite sure it's still I'm, I'm not sure either we said I set up a couple I don't know what to do with it or anything uh, but but they're they're catching on and there are some certain little niches where people are doing something where a wiki is just the right way to do it 20 people can all get in there and change it and they need to be able to do that so they can all see what the latest version is. And somebody came and said, I found out that's not right. I fixed it. You know, I changed this. So a wiki is a very interesting thing. It's kind of hard to explain. You have to be there. But, uh, but there, uh, one teacher gave an example of how to use a wiki. He had 20 topics and 20 students. Each one had to pick a topic. And they couldn't take the same topic. And he was trying to figure out how to do this, you know, he, and he could do it in class. But this was a distance learning kind of thing. So he put a wiki up. He said, if you want it, put your name next to it. And don't go take anybody's name off this. We'll be checking it every day. So that worked. People just put, if there was a name next to it, you didn't do it. So anybody could modify the list. It was an online editable document. That was an example. But that's probably a trivial one. I think that Wikipedia is, of course, another very good example. It's actually of actually Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Yes, wiki and... Encyclopedia. Yeah. So anyone can modify that. Actually, I mean, a little bit harder to modify recently, but I understand because they're getting some real garbage. But there's, but, yeah. okay. Um, list serves, discussion boards, other ways of organizing these things. Uh, I like discussion boards. I'm a real fan. Uh, they never catch on. I must have started 25 discussion boards. I had one last for about a year and a half with a little bit of activity. The others are all still hanging out there, waiting for someone to come use them. Um, I love them because you can see who answered what to what. You know. Uh, listservs are those things that pump email into your account. I'm on the uh, Angel listserv. I must get 30 messages a day. I have to constantly weed them out. 
<laughs> These are people who use angel, uh, you know, people like me, managing angels. <coughs> Podcasts. Podcasts are audio files. Some debate what an audio, an MP3 file is a podcast. If you go into your computer, you can actually do it without, with what's on there now. But if you get Audacity, it's easier. You can just put a microphone in, record something, a little talk, five minutes, save it as an MP3 file. It is a podcast. Now, is it a good podcast? No. Is it, is it subscribable? No. Uh, is, can it, you know, where do you put it? Put it on Angel. Put it on a web page. If you have a host, put it there. There are places that will host your podcast. So people can go click it and download it, and re they can hear it. Is it streaming audio? No. If it's an hour long, it might be 30 megs. They click it. They're going to wait till 30 megs downloads before it starts playing. Uh, so that's not good. Streaming is where it would play immediately. We don't have streaming here. But a podcast, there are tens of thousands of podcasts out there on everything. Everything you can think of. Every day there are podcasts. You can subscribe to them. It'll notify if there's a new podcast in that field. For example, BBC has a podcast on World News. You subscribe every day. You get a little link saying, latest BBC. If you click it, it'll play the latest news for that thing. Podcasts are catching on big. Remember, all this stuff, this is Moore's Law. Ten years ago, MP3 files were considered huge. You couldn't put them on the web because people were using dial-up modems. You know, they got a 30-meg file. Don't send me a 30-meg file. On the, you know. Now, with high-speed connections, the world is changing. And it's going to go on and on and on. You know, the, the speeds are going up. Right now, video podcasts are too big for most people, a big one. Although YouTube is essentially a video podcast. It's a streaming video. But YouTube, you can get. So it's not out of the question. But again, the technology is changing. Somebody asked me, could they record their class and put it up? Video. Yes. It's a lot of work right now. I'm not anxious to do it very often. We do it occasionally. But a couple years from now, it'll probably be duck soup. No big deal. In fact, when I was in Adelaide, I went to their university thinking I would tell them about our technology. I realized they were five years ahead of us. They had classrooms that automatically recorded the entire lecture on video, sent it off to their internet site, put it into a vidcast, podcast, made it available. The students riding home that night would put it on their iPod and watch the lecture, listen to the lecture in their car. They had this, they had this at Emory when I was there five years ago. Yeah. I so, recorded somewhere on the web where it was me talking about you know, integration by parts. I think it, the total number of hits, zero. <laughs> so this stuff is all changing. Um, you can make a typical podcast. Fifteen minutes is a good length, they say. You know, that people listen to fifteen minutes. So if you want to make a podcast, think about fifteen minutes. I can help you make a pod. We can make podcasts. You have to, if you want people to be able to subscribe to them, you've got to put it into a service that permits, permits subscription. And you, there are commercial services that do that, or even some free ones. But if you could just make it and put it up, we can do that. Um, somebody referred to this as time shifting. We're time shifting. Something happens now, and we, we listen to it or hear it later. You couldn't do this 50 years ago. It was very hard to time shift. Movies were much more expensive to put together. Uh, tape recording was reel-to-reel. -reel you know, and uh, Now we do a lot of time shifting. The Internet's doing it. Um, enhanced podcasting. Enhanced podcasting is where you add to the podcast files. You put up some literature. You put up a Word document. You put up a little video. You put a little audio thing. In other words, you're sending out a package. It's like a teaching package. That's very common. It turns out that, that most of these things, like podcasts and blogs, have additional things you can hook into them. You can tie other things into them. You can put an attachment, basically. You can think of it like email. And it could be anything. And, and they also have something else. Oh, I mentioned the uh, delicious thing. Metadata. I love these terms. These are all here. Metadata 
is you have an object and it has with it metadata, additional information about that thing. And the most common metadata is tags, search tags. So in the internet, when you, do, when you Google something, what you're actually searching is the tags associated with those objects. That's the metadata. That's how it's finding it. Oh, if you look for house, everything that has house as a, as a meta tag, a metadata, it finds it. So it turns out more and more of the content on the internet, and probably on our home computers more so too, it's going to have tags. All things like Word, they have a place to do this. We aren't using it much, but it's there. See ya. Um, open source we mentioned. Oh, Web 2.0. What the heck is Web 2.0? Nobody knows. Big thing. <laughs> it, it's much debated. Numerous articles. The term was invented about 2005. The term didn't exist before that. What happened was people were so frustrated with aspects of the web, they kept saying, couldn't it be better? So they said, let's make Web 2.0 the better web. But since then, it's taken another meaning. Since then, it's the latest up-to-date way of doing things. Meta tags. Interactivity. If you go to YouTube or any other of the major sites, they're often a little place where the reader can contribute notes. He can put his own comment. He can comment on comments. He can read comments. He or she can read comments. He can rate the thing. So when you go, it'll say, the top rated things today are. That's based on this little interactive. That's Web 2.0. It's not just a passive send the information out. It's send it out and get something back. Help each other find what we want. It's a whole sharing aspects. The Web 2.0 has a lot of that in it. Uh, Multi-author, personal, up, and, up until this web thing, if you wanted to publish something, you had to go through a major, you had to make a movie, you had to publish a book. You know, now anyone with a little bit of guts and time can make something and put up, and anyone can find it. Uh, blogs, people, the people who start a blog, some of them catch on in a week and whoosh, they become worldwide in a week because it was interesting. Um, this, this is what happens. That was impossible before. This is part of the Web 2.0 thing, the sharing. Um, mashups. <laughs> I love the great term. A lot of stuff, like Google, lets you create a web page that uses its technology. So when you click on somebody's website and a map comes up from MapQuest, that's a mashup. They've taken the interface from MapQuest and put it in there. And it wasn't a programming problem. It was designed to be something that a so mashups are fairly simple combinations. They can be messy, too. But that's going on. A lot of that's going on on the web. Web is becoming an interwoven network of, of things. Um, interaction is important, blah, blah, blah. Social networking, MySpace, Facebook, and other things we haven't even heard of are bubbling away, growing at an incredible rate. They are allowing people to connect with each other, find each other, share things with each other in, in multiple ways. They all have a Web 2.0 interface. If you go in, there's a small place where the content is. There's a place to put comments on. There's metadata over on the side. There's some search tools. That's a standard Web 2.0 interface. Um, Folksonomic. <laughs> Do I remember what folk? Who knows? Does anyone know what Folksonomic is? Do I have to try and remember? I probably ought to look it up. Um, for example, let's say that I put out my delicious list so you could all look at it. And you went through it and said, well, he didn't put this tag on it. He should have a tag on this. This should be tagged this way. You start adding tags to my list. And maybe 50 people read my list, and they all add tags. My list becomes much richer, much easier to find things, much more portable. That's folksonomics. Uh, in math, the example, I think, is folksonomics is uh, it's also called crowd outsourcing. Uh, about a month ago, some guy came up with one of these unbreakable codes. And... Uh, 
I guess it's the code on the CDs. Anyway, some guys broke it a few years ago. What happened was they shared it out with 10,000 people, and they all took a little piece, and they got together and, and made it happen. You know, the guy said it would take a, a, a Cray supercomputer 25 years to solve this problem, and it would have, but they had 10,000 people all working on it, and they all used a little piece of their computer, and done, you know. Google, by the way, how does Google do what it does? It has these computer farms with five or 10,000 computers. It has a bunch of them. They just created one in Arizona. 10,000 PCs, 10,000 PCs all working together. And if one of them dies, they just let it die. They don't even bother with it. It just drops out of the system. They don't even go out and replace it, they said. It's not worth the trouble, you know. But that's how these things... The matrix still holds together. Yeah. Um, crowdsourcing, Facebook, MySpace, social bookmarking. That's where you're sharing your bookmarking with other people. Social bookmarking. You know, if you all have, if you're in a group that has a common interest, you could have your bookmarks for that group. Hey, I found another bookmark on our group. So they have a social, social book, social sharing. Um, Second Life. If you ever heard about that, I've been on a few times. It's it's a uh, a place to visit. You can get in for free and wander around. They give you a avatar. They give you a body, and you wander around this place. And anybody who wants to can buy an island or some space and create things. They give you a little bit of free space. Angel has an island. Angel Learning System has an island for teaching. It has various kiosks where you can go click on tutorials. I went for a tour. There were like 20 of us there. The guide who made her own body special. She looked really cute. I met her at the conference a month later. I recognized her. She had a little funny red top on her hair. Uh, <laughs> but but she, didn't have, she didn't have quite the figure she had in, in uh, Second Life. I, on the other hand, I came in. I took the standard body they handed me. I was Joe College. Jeans and a T-shirt. Everybody else almost had had made done something. At least had a special hat or something. You know. Um, oh, one quick, quick silly story. I, I couldn't find the silly island to go to the conference to, to get toned. So I wandered around Second Life. Well, Second Life has a raw, seedy side. If you click a certain, <laughs> if you click a check mark, it's gone. So you don't have to see it. I hadn't, I didn't, I hadn't clicked the check mark, and I saw this thing. It said something like. Red light Saigon brothel, or I don't know what it was. No. So I, I couldn't find it, so I clicked it. You know, so I go in there and I wandered around for a little bit, and there were some strange things going on. I said, "Well, that's enough, enough of that. I'm going back." And I must have clicked yes somewhere along. I go back and I finally get into the Angel Conference, and over my head is a banner. It says something like, "Dark things happen here." Or I didn't even know it was there at first, but then one point I got to sort of see myself, and, I, and it stayed with me the whole time. So finally, when the conference door, I got one of the other guys, I, I walked up my little avatar up to this guy and said, how do I get rid of this banner? You know, what you type appears. And he said, oh, you go into properties and remove such and gone, hot damn. You know? But um, anyway, second, yeah. second life is, is a, a world that's growing pretty fast. It could be extremely interesting. People are teaching online in Second Life. Is it any different from just a chat session? From my personal experience, yes. It feels different. For one thing, it's, it's a tremendous amount of commerce takes place on Second Life. Oh, yeah. It's all tax-free. So it's, it's now right. It's a, it has its, its own money. to eBay for purchasing and selling things online. That they're doing something in the hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars of, well, so your little character goes around and buys things? Well, look, no, you, you set up a little store. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you, you, can, you can make things. You, there are tools in there. You can make things. No, no, but I mean, like people literally sell. You want to sell a car. So you, you, you can sell a real car, yeah. Not, not, not Saigon, whatever. I wasn't 
Bought me that too. Guys, man, <laughs> so, so no, you, you can you can sell cars or you know yeah. silly hats that you're not. Well, but but I mean, you, you're talking about selling a real car, are you? No, real, you can sell you can sell real cars. Yeah, I'm but real. Okay, there, but there's also an economy going on of selling right. virtual things. There's people like, are making really people are making clothing. And if you want a nice hat, here's a hat for so many, whatever their units of trade are, you can buy the hat. There are people getting wealthy. There are several millionaires who got wealthy by using this false currency. The currency has a real exchange rate. If you want money there, you've got to buy it. These guys are selling the money they earn to other people and getting real money for it and become millionaires. All right, I, I, I should... Are you selling that that your character wears? Yeah. Well, but, you know... Oh, my goodness. Oh, listen, the, the, you should see some of the things... <laughs> I, I, I wanted a silly hat. When, when you're the only... But it, but it shouldn't be so surprising. I mean, honestly, people... Uh, what you're saying is it's... People are spending money to buy things to make them 